This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There's a major update on medical assistance in dying. The government of Canada announced on Monday that it will not allow made for people whose sole condition is a mental health disorder. Federal Health Minister Mark Holland says provinces are telling him they're not ready for that kind of expansion. Eligibility was supposed to expand in March. Holland says he will table legislation to delay the change. I've talked with uh, health ministers from new democratic governments, health ministers from uh, a liberal government, uh, health minister uh, from uh, from Quebec, uh, you know, all of whom say their system isn't ready. So it's not just conservative uh, health ministers that are saying this. Uh, this is these are every single health minister from every single province, every single territory telling me they're not ready. Megan Gilmore is a reporter with Canadian Affairs. Megan has been all over this story for years and can offer some more context on this development. Hey, good morning, Megan. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure, Megan. Uh, when I say you've been on this for years, pretty much since the first week that Now yeah. with Dave Brown existed, coming up on the four-year anniversary, you talked about this on the show. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a lot of history here, but what's some of the broader context ahead of this change? Sure. So the broader history, um, we're going to try to summarize this very quickly. 2016, Canada legalizes what we call medical assistance in dying uh, in other countries referred to as euthanasia or physician-assisted suicide, depending on which uh, method is used. In 2021, uh, the government removed the criteria that an individual's death must be naturally, uh, natural death must be reasonably foreseeable to qualify for MAID. And at that point, made for mental illness had always been understood that it, would, it was excluded. But in 2021, as that legislation to remove the naturally reasonably foreseeable uh, clause was being debated, the Senate introduced an amendment to put what was called a sunset clause on the exclusion for mental illness. So what was passed in March 2021 was a law that said in March 2023, last year, made for individuals whose sole underlying condition is a mental illness would be allowed. Uh, And about a year ago, we were in a very similar spot. There were a lot of concerns being raised about this, and the government decided to delay it until March 17th, 2024, as, as you heard in that clip. Um, And then back in October, there was a private member's bill put forward by the Conservatives that would have explicitly said no made for sole underlying condition mental illness, just not at all. And that bill was defeated, as most private members' bills are, but by a very, very slim margin of votes. Mm -hmm. And politicians from all parties voted in favor of this or, or abstained. Um, So after that vote went through, 
there was a committee struck again um, to look at whether or not Canada is ready for made for mental illness. So this committee had been around last year studying issues related to made. They came back in October with one question to look at, and it is, is Canada ready to have made for individuals whose sole condition is a mental illness? So go a bit deeper into that committee. What yeah. what did they come what did they come out with? It's an important question. What did they come out with? They came the majority recommendation of this committee as tabled in a report on Monday is that Canada is not ready and we should not have made for individuals whose sole underlying condition is a mental illness until there is agreement from both the Minister of Health and the Minister of Justice on a federal level, also along with provinces, territories, and Indigenous governments. Once, once they all, once the federal government in consultation with those provincial, territorial, and Indigenous partners says we are ready then uh, to do it, but with that big recommendation, there was a second part of it that said, you know, within one one year before Canada does this, that they would like this committee to come back again to again look at the question, are we ready for this? But the committee is as a whole recommending we are not ready for this in this country. Medical assistance in dying is not just controversial from an ethic, ethical point of view and a legal point of view. It has a lot of different points of view within the overall conversation. How was that represented? How was the notion of controversy reflected in the report? Well, uh, so the report is 51 pages. Of those 51, probably about 17 of them are devoted to dissenting opinions. So the that recommendation that we are not ready, that we should not do this until there is a clear agreement from the Federal, from the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Justice, that was not unanimous by any stretch of the imagination. There were two dissenting uh, opinions written, so people saying we disagree with that conclusion, uh, notably, those dissenting opinions were all written by senators. And so there was a group of senators, three senators who wrote um, a very lengthy dissent saying essentially, we think that we're ready now and we don't think this committee even did its job properly. And it's very, very long. And then there's another dissent from, from another senator who is saying that he also believes we're ready, but he is recommending that the question of whether or not made should be allowed for individuals whose sole condition is a mental illness, that that question should be referred to the Supreme Court of Canada to deal with uh, issues of equality under the charter and other charter considerations that come with it. What stood out to you from the report? Yeah, uh, first of all, the conclusion. I, I was not expecting that conclusion from what I had seen. Um, this committee had six meetings between October 31st and mid-December. Of those six meetings, only three of them were dedicated to having witnesses give testimony. And the majority of people who spoke to the committee uh, seemed to be suggesting that that we were maybe ready. Um, so I, I was overall, I, this was not the answer I was expecting. Um, other things that stood out to me was specifically how the committee um, and then the dissenting reports discussed the briefs. So uh, the committee, like it off, like committees often do, put out a call for public briefs that people, like citizens, like you or me or or an organization, can write to these committees and say what they think about whatever this committee is studying. That's very common. This committee received more than nine hundred briefs. 
and none of them were used as evidence in writing this report because the committee said the committee decided in a private in-camera meeting this was not done publicly uh they made some decisions uh, for example uh we want all briefs to be translated into french and english before they can be used as evidence in this report that decision was made after they'd sent out the requirements for what briefs needed to be like. Uh, so none, none of that evidence was, was used for writing of this report. And the way that that was described by different uh, people, by, by the majority opinion and then by the dissenting senators, was, was very different. And it was just really interesting to read kind of like that political wrangling. And, and frustrating for me as a reporter who had covered that issue about the use about Bruce not being used. And I just wanted to scream at everybody and be like, you made this decision. And then there were some people complaining that Bruce weren't used. And I was like, you were literally on the committee that decided not to use them. Like, that's what happened. Um, another thing that stood out to me, and this is this is consistent with past AMAD committee reports, is particularly when individuals are saying Canada, they, the average Canadian agrees with this policy, with made for mental illness. They'll cite public opinion polls and they'll link to them. And those links will take you to public opinion polling that was commissioned by Dying with Dignity Canada, which is the pro-made lobby group in this country. Uh, and that they never say who's doing the polling, but they provide the link to it. And if you click on the link, it'll take you there. Um, and that's always stood out to me. Um, like the sources that are used when people are making their, their arguments for this. And that was, again, another consistent theme in the dissenting senator's opinion. Megan, uh, you mentioned public polling. It's been a couple of mm -hmm. days since the announcement was made. What's the public response been? Right. So some of it falls under lines that you would expect. So Dying with Dignity Canada, the pro-made lobby group in this country, they are very upset by this decision. They they don't want it. Uh, groups that have always said made for mental illness is a problem. We should not do that are saying this is good. Like, please, please don't allow this. But there's also been some public opinion polling coming out from the Ontario Psychiatric Association. They released a survey results yesterday, actually, that showed that the majority of their members say that we are not ready for made for soul condition mental illness next month. And some would say we will never be ready, that we should never do this. And by and large, Ontario, the members of the Ontario Psychiatric Association, the doctors who are very much involved in this, are saying we don't we don't think this is a good idea and we don't want to be involved in assessing people for made for the sole, sole reason of mental illness. Mm. Megan, one of the most important questions in journalism, what happens next? Sure. So I'm going to answer uh, with two, two ways to answer this question. One is very immediate. So the legislation um, to enact this delay should be tabled today in the House of Commons, um, where it potentially could be debated next week. And for all of you who have been paying attention to our civics lessons that we give you on this show, thank you, <laughs> uh, you'll probably be like, but wait, Megan, aren't there supposed to be committees that study these things? You are correct. And Minister Holland addressed that on Monday and said, you know, this is coming because of a committee report. We've essentially already done our yeah, study of yeah. this. Um, so that's kind of been done. I think it will be interesting to see what happens when this legislation makes it to the Senate 
because that's where the disagreement on the committee came from. It came right, from right. senators. So that that will be an interesting thing. Also, senators are not elected. Um, so that's that. Oh, um, just tossing that, just rolling that grenade rolling into the conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, they're not fighting for a seat in the next election. Um, so that's, that's what you can expect immediately. Um, on made as public policy in general, uh, the next area that people are really lobbying around is advanced directives, um, allowing people to say early on after a diagnosis that they would like made, and this presumably removes the requirement for final consent. Um, that's actually what people are really lobbying the government for right now. I often receive press releases from organizations about this. So there's a petition going on. Like That's what's that's what's actually going on in the background while we're all discussing made for mental illness. And then on a broader social level, when you talk to some of the people, especially some of the doctors who were really um, vocal and public about their concerns about allowing made in cases where mental illness is the sole condition, they would say that what they hope happens now is that we have a broader conversation in Canada about supporting people who live with long-term mental illness. And what does it mean for them to live full lives in community? Um, how do we deal with loneliness? A, a good majority of people who die by maid will cite loneliness or feeling like a burden on their friends or family as one of the contributing factors to their suffering. Those are not medical things. So how do we as a country respond to loneliness? Do we have a suicide prevention strategy in this country? Um, so bigger questions like that about caring for people living with mental illness and caring for all of us, mm. uh, some people would really say that that's what we hope we take from this, that we move into a direction where we're having bigger conversations about uh, responding to problems like loneliness, mental illness, and suicidal ideation. Megan, thank you for this. I know it's a pretty, uh, it's 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 a very important topic that requires some mental fortitude. So thank you for your ongoing coverage on it. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me do this, guys. That's Megan Gilmore, a reporter with Canadian Affairs. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes. Canada's main stock index tumbled by 1% yesterday on broad-based weakness. Toronto's TSX index dropped 205 points to close at 21,021. New York's Dow Jones average lost 317 points and the Nasdaq dropped 345 points. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 275 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 74.35 cents US. Asian shares were mixed today after Wall Street fell to its worst loss since September, as the U.S. Federal Reserve indicated cuts to interest rates are not imminent. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said cuts to rates may be likely this year, but not as soon as traders hoped. And residential development projects are increasingly being pushed into receivership across this country. Experts say elevated interest rates, construction costs and delays, and a slower real estate market are all contributing to the rising frequency of projects coming under financial stress. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. From business to weather, here's Alex Smythe. Alex, you're crunching some numbers this morning. January has seen more records fall when it comes to 
weather across the country. Specifically, I'm focused in on temperatures and the hottest days in January on record have been found throughout the country on Tuesday, uh, apparently January 30th. Uh, so we will look at Edmonton, Alberta, which set a new January record with 10 degrees uh, with Swift Current uh, Saskatchewan. They reached 17 degrees to create a new record in Swift Current. And even Churchill, Manitoba, home of the polar bears, set a new high at 2.7 degrees for a record in January. But not to be outdone, the biggest uh, kind of, I guess, spike was in Maple Creek, Saskatchewan, which recorded a high of 21.1 degrees Celsius. It is not only the hottest day in uh, uh, Maple Creek, but the second hottest day in January ever. It's only been beat by Niagara Falls, Ontario, which once set a record at 22.2 degrees. So it's only 1.1 degree off the all-time January record. Now, why was it as hot as it was? There's a number of contributing factors that really work together to create this kind of storm of heat and warmth within the region. So things like the sea surface level uh, temperatures were all much warmer than normal. You had an atmospheric river and Pineapple Express event, which I had talked about, which is currently impacting BC. That is also bringing warmer air over into the prairies. You have snow, uh, a lack of snow cover on the ground makes the ground warmer. It's creating to that. And also downwinds that have been helping to fuel all this warmer temperature in the area. All those have contributed to the second hottest day ever for January in Canada. And uh, looking ahead, that warm weather is set to continue into February. So we may not be seeing record uh, uh, temperatures like we did on Tuesday, but expect warm conditions to continue into this month. And we'll see what February has in store from coast to coast to coast. Right on, only time will tell. Another great broadcast cliche. Alex, thank you for this. Coming up after the break, more restaurants are using robots to prepare food. Jenny Bovard has opinions on that trend, and so do I. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.